Glad y'all are here. Glad you made the effort to be here. It looks like everybody's going to sit at the back, <laughs> so I'll have to talk a little louder. Glad, you, <laughs> glad you're here. Glad you made the effort. Hope you had a good time at the supper. Let me start us off with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for the good news that we have in a risen Savior. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and to fellowship with each other, to, to uh, share a meal, but most of all, to see your word tonight, to study your word I pray for, for all the Bible studies going on right now. I pray for the kids as they are learning, as they're hearing, as, as a foundation is being pieced together. I pray for our youth uh, in, in a really an important time as they're, again, stacking on the, the, the knowledge of your truth, your word. And then I pray for us tonight in this room that you would grow us and that you would lead us and bless us in the study of your word. And I pray the fruit of all of that is a people uh, that, brings glory to you and points glory to you. We're thankful for this opportunity, and I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight our Bible says it's called Days of Our Lives. Uh, you're going to see why as we move through the material tonight. Uh, it is the 10th lesson in a survey that's going to go all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, we're working through it. We're about three weeks ahead. Every time we have a lesson, there's about three lessons written ahead and it looks like it's going to take more than a year. We thought, we'll knock this out in a year. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to take. We're not going to go too fast. Uh, but there is a lot of stuff to see as we, as we make the connection all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Uh, today our lesson covers a massive section of Scripture, six chapters in Genesis. Now, it's not just a big section it really is a busy section. And so it's not just a big chunk of, of, of verses. There's a lot going on, a, a lot of foundational things, big things happening in these six chapters. Now the question is this, and as we read the, the accounts, as we talk about them, the question is why? Why is this recorded? And, and what, as we read these accounts, are we supposed to take away from these accounts? And really the question may be, are we supposed to take things away from these accounts? I was thinking about this. I think one of the difficulties of our Bible study system that we have in our churches, that many churches, uh, we've gotten to the point that we want to have 12 verses, and we want to have a moral point, and we want to have an object to take away, and we want to do it in about 30 or 35 minutes. And I think that's how we approach a Bible study. You know what? I want to look at 12 verses. I want to have a moral application. I want something I can carry away, and I want to wrap it up in about 30 minutes. Well, we are seeing in our survey that the Bible's not like that. In fact, we're seeing over and over again, nothing really ever sews up. Uh, one thing leads to another thing, may lead to several things. There's a progression moving on. All of those things are related. All of those things are necessary and, our, and our, our Bible says it's called the grand scheme of things. It really is the grand scheme of things. It really is the grand movement across the scripture. And so, so it's not wrapping up in 30 minutes. It's not being a tidy little package, but it's moving along and, and turning into something else. Uh, sometimes, and I think we need to understand this, sometimes when we read a whole bunch of verses, uh, part of it is it's just the historical record. And so there's not a moral takeaway. It's just saying, here's what happened, and here's what happened from there. And so a lot of times it's just descriptive, telling us the events and the things that happened. Uh, so tonight, it's not going to be a 12-verse lesson. 
uh, that we'll finish in 35 minutes. Hopefully we're not going to go a lot longer than that, but there is a big movement taking place in our verses. I think that's when we learn um, in this big of a section that, that here we are in this big record of a big account. Uh, I think we see when we see this section tonight especially, uh, we find there, there are great acts of faith that take place. Man, that was a good response. But there's also great failures that take place. And there's, there's giant train wrecks that take place. And so you go, man, look at what Abraham did here. But then look at this train wreck of a response right here. And really unimaginable stuff takes place. We're going to see that in, in some of the things in our verses tonight. Stuff that you couldn't make up. Uh, if you were to watch a soap opera and watch the plot of that, there's stuff that those writers haven't even thought of that we see happen in, in the account of God's word. Really crazy, unimaginable stuff. So we're in a big chunk of verses. There's a lot of stuff taking place. There's big stuff taking place. But there's really two themes, and I want to point this out at the start, and I want to point it out at the conclusion. There's really two themes that are taking place. One of them is this, the truth that man needs a Savior. That's what we see. You know what? People are crazy, and they're messed up, and they fail, and they have good intentions, and they don't pull it off. Man needs a Savior. And the second thing we see is this, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. People are, are weird and messed up, but God is always faithful. Now, I'm not going to read all of the verses again tonight from chapter 23 to chapter 28, that's our section. I would encourage you, uh, after our lesson tonight, maybe you go home and read it, and it'll make sense, better sense, having had this Bible study. But Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Genesis chapter 28. That's our verse section tonight. Um, our key tonight is this. God uses people to unfold and reveal his plan for their redemption. In all matters, he is faithful and trustworthy to bring about his gracious promise. Let me read that to you again. Here's the key to this whole thing tonight. God uses people to unfold and reveal his plan for their redemption. In all matters, he is faithful and trustworthy to bring about his gracious promise. All right, here we go. And I'm just going to summarize and we're going to move across these these major events in our section of verses tonight. First thing we see this. Um, in chapter 23, we read where Sarah dies. Um, lived her life, saw all those things, uh, had, had a, a promised son, uh, right, sees him start off, and, and now in chapter 23, Sarah dies. In the account in chapter 23, there's something that I think, um, if we're not careful, we'll move too quickly past it, in chapter 23, it tells us Abraham is weeping over his wife. He's grieving over the loss of his wife. And he buys a field. And in the field, there is a cave. And he buys them to, in, in, in a, to have a place to bury her. Uh, when you read the account, the locals there, they like Abraham. And so they say, no, we're going to give you the field. We're going to give you the cave. And Abraham is adamant. And he says, no, I have to buy it. And they come back again. We're going to give you the field in the cave. And Abraham says, I have to buy it. I want you to see this. Where Abraham has been a traveler, 
He, he leaves the land of his father. He goes to this land that's promised. As he has been a sojourner, a traveler, uh, the Bible says he is a man that's lived in tents. He now begins the process of putting down roots. And I think if we're not careful, we might miss this. After this episode in chapter 23, guess what? He now owns a place. He now owns a field. He now has a grave. And so now... Uh, This man that's been traveling around now starts to have a place of permanence. And so I think if we're not careful, we might not see that. But but in chapter 23, they're starting to put down roots. It's no longer, you know what, we're going to go back to some other homeland. This is becoming their homeland, and it becomes a place of permanence. All right, the next event, if you were to read through our chapters tonight. The next event, a wife is found for Isaac. Uh, Remember, Isaac is the son of promise, the promised son. Um, He is now an adult. Abraham sees that he needs a wife. And so Abraham sends his servant uh, out of the land that they're in, the pagan land that they're in, uh, back to his own people where they used to reside. Um, They're not going to intermarry with the pagan people. They're not going to take a foreign wife and he needs to find a wife for his son, so he sends his servant uh, back to the land of his, of his home people. Um, as you read that account, I think it's interesting, the servant takes that very seriously. In fact, you see he's pretty nervous. Abraham says, okay, you're going to go here, and you're going to do this, and you're going to go back to this people. And he starts saying, well, what if she won't come? What if I can't find her? And Abraham says, if she won't come back, it's not on you. It's not going to be a a, a penalty on you. But the servant takes it very seriously. Uh, He doesn't want to mess this up. He's going to find this promised son and wife. He doesn't want to mess it up. And so we see Abraham is seeking God's direction. We also see the servant is seeking God's direction. Well, the account goes along. He goes and he finds Rebekah. Remember, he's telling God, how am I going to know the right one? And, and the right one's going to come and offer him a drink and offer his camels a drink. Well, here comes Rebecca, and she comes out to the well, and she's gracious, and she, she offers him water to drink. She offers water for his camels as well. And so, so Abraham's servant knows this is the one. This is the wife for my master's son. He believes that. Um, he starts talking to her and tells them who he represents And then she takes them back to her family. Now the family, they hear the story and they agree, this is of God. She agrees, this is of God. And so um, the next morning they're going to get up and they're going to leave and go back to Abraham and Isaac. Well, they get up the next morning and the family actually says, what's the hurry? The night before they were saying, yeah, let's go. This is of the Lord. Well, now they say, what's the hurry? Why don't we wait a week? And I think about that. If if Sarah ever has a day she's going to get married, I think I'm going to say, what's the hurry? Let's wait a week. Let's wait wait a couple months. Um, They say, let's wait a week. What's the hurry? And Rebecca says, it is of the Lord. Let's go today. I think that's very interesting. Here's the thing, and I want us to see that. Sometimes we miss seeing Rebecca, we see Isaac needs a wife. We see Abraham wants him to have a wife. We see the servant that doesn't want to mess it up, but we miss what Rebecca does. Rebecca seeks to honor God 
She seeks to obey God, and she is shown here as trusting God. Now, I want you to think about what she's going to do. Here's this young lady, this young woman. She's going to leave what she knew. These are my people. This is my town. This is my house. She, she's going to leave what is safe. I've got brothers here. I've got a dad here. That's safe. She's going to leave her family. That's a big deal. She's going to leave them. But not only that, she's going to leave them and go to a land she doesn't know, to a situation she doesn't know, and the craziest part, to a husband that she doesn't know. So she's going to leave the safety of home, the comfort of her family. She's going to take off and go to a place she doesn't know, to a people she doesn't know, and to a husband she doesn't know. And yet she's the one that says, when her family's saying, stay, she says, no, if this is of the Lord, then let's go today. Here's, here's a question right there. Why does she do that? How does she do that? Where does she find the motivation, the strength to do that? And I, I think we go back to the truth. She trusted God. Today, I want you to think about your life. Think about the things you're doing, the things God calls for you to do in obedience. Why would you do something that's uncomfortable? Why would you go someplace that's strange and weird? Why would you say, I think, you know what, God's leading us here to do this thing. Why would you do that? It has to be the same reason. You know what, God has led us. We're going to be obedient, and we're going to trust God. We're going to play a game. I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to need four people. Um, let me get four volunteers. Jeff, would you help us? <laughs> volunteers. Shelly, would you help us? Coach Blue, would you help us? And Vicki, would you help us? Four people. All right, Coach Blue, if you'll wait down there. Vicki, if you'll come right here. Shelly, if you'll come back here. You're right here. All right, here's how this game is going to work. It's kind of it's like let's make a deal, but it's way better because we're going to do it. <laughs> Vicki, this is a pack of M&Ms, plain M&Ms. They cost $1.09 at United. That's crazy, but inflation has hit. Um, these are awesome. I was thinking I ought to eat these and cancel the game, but I'm going to give you right now $1.09 worth of M&Ms. They're yours, in your hand. In these bags, Jeff, that's your bag. Shelly, this is your bag. Now, y'all can look in it. She can't. In their bag, there are two other gifts. And they know what they are. They see them. And I'm going to hand them this mic, and you have 30 seconds to talk her into trading you for your gift. And then when you're done, I'm going to hand you the mic. I only got one. Just one gift. And you have 30 seconds. Now, don't tell her what it is. You can't say what it is. You can't say, you can't give a clue. But you have 30 seconds to tell her why she should trade you the M&Ms for yours and then for yours. And then I'm going to let you decide if you keep that, you can, or if you trade for one of these two gifts. Does that make sense? All right, let me turn this on. All right, Jeff, you have 30 seconds. 
to convince her to take your bag. Tell her anything you want. All right, 30 seconds. All right, he said his bag is better and bigger. So you have 30 seconds to convince her to take your bag. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. All right, Vicki, you can keep your M&Ms or you can trade for one of these two bags. Ooh, all right, she took Jeff's bag. This was her bag of M&Ms and now this is her bag of M&Ms. All right, there you go. Very convincing, evidently. <laughs> Shelly kind of feels bad. All right, Coach Blue, if you'll come up. All right. These are your M&Ms. Okay. $1.90 United, they're awesome. You can have them, they're yours. You can take those. You can keep those. You can eat those back there watching the rest of the Bible study. Or you can take what's in this bag. You saw what was in one bag? You can take what's in this bag. I'm going to give Shelly 15 more seconds. Every Sunday, Marco tells me I push this button so hard I break the rubber thing on it. So I think I did that again. All right, here's the deal. That's fine. I can talk loud. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Um, Bill, this bag will change your life. Um, Whoa. For real. That's all I have to say to you. I don't know if it, don't know if it needs change. <laughs> Where's your wife? We'll ask her. <laughs> you can keep your image, you can take what's in the bag. Your call. I don't think it could happen two times in a row. I'm gonna keep this. He's gonna keep that. In this bag was a can of corn. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> All right, here's the point to that. You probably go, what in the world is that about? Here's the point to that. You listen to the one you trust. Isn't that how that really goes down? And I don't know for whatever reason they didn't, they didn't trust, but you listen to the one you trust. If you got folks talking to you, it's just natural. You're going to listen to the one you trust. Now, here's the thing. Most of the time, you're going to trust the one you know. You're going to trust the one you know. Now, he may have had some great sales pitch or whatever, but as, as, a, as a pattern, we listen to the one we trust, and we trust the one we know. This is a big, big deal all the way through. We've seen it four or five times already. We're going to keep seeing it. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We are going to listen to the one we trust, and we trust the one we know. You know what? As followers of Jesus Christ, how does that happen? We have to know the word of God. We have to know who God is, what he has said, what he's done. We have to know all about our Savior Jesus. And as we know him, 
we begin to trust him. You know what? The more you know Christ, the more you're going to trust him. And that's just a matter of fact. When you see he's kind and he's always kind, he's gracious and he's always gracious, he is wise. He is infinite in wisdom. As you confirm that and learn that and confirm that, you begin to trust the one you know. That's the picture of that game. Well, here's Rebecca. She's out in the middle of nowhere. This guy comes along and she says, this is of God. Makes no sense. Has a lot of potential danger. But you know what? She trusts the one she knows. And so she takes off and she goes back. All right, moving along in our account. Abraham dies. He is buried in the same cave that he purchased for Sarah. So he dies I believe it's 36 years after his wife's death. He dies. Uh, He's buried in the same cave that he purchased for Sarah. At his death, he is described as being a ripe old age, an old man satisfied with life. He passes away, recorded in Scripture, speaking of Abraham. He is a ripe old age, an old man satisfied with life. Now, I want to think about that for a second before we move on. Abraham saw hard things. Abraham saw good things. Abraham hurt, lost his wife. Says he he cried for a month over the loss of his wife. Um, He saw things that required faith. He messed up and didn't show faith. Faith to him is reckoned as righteousness. He absolutely blows it at other times. And his life at this stage, at the conclusion, is described as being a ripe old age an old man satisfied with life. What a de- great description that is. And I'll just tell you, that's not everybody's description. And you may, you may know that as well. What a great description. Ripe means wasn't too early, wasn't too soon. You know, folks, it feels, hey, that was too early, that was too soon. It wasn't cut short. Well, man, that, that was too fast. It was ripe. It was the perfect season. Now, it says he was satisfied with life. And I want to just look at that for a second. What could be the reason that he's satisfied with life? The word in the original language in the Hebrew means at rest. He was at rest. It means content. At this place in life, he's satisfied. He's content. Now, what that means is he wasn't still striving. I got something to prove. I got something to do. I got things to accomplish. He wasn't cheated out of something. You know what? I got here and I got sick and I didn't get this done and I got cheated out of something. His life wasn't incomplete. There's a lot of folks that go, it's incomplete. I had two more things to do or the one thing I wanted to do, I didn't get done. Here's something big. He's satisfied, content. That means he's not bitter. You ever know folks, and and I don't know what it is, they get to the, the end part of their life and they're just bitter. Kids didn't turn out and that didn't turn out and this didn't turn out and I can't believe this has happened. And they are bitter, more bitter maybe than they've ever been. Or here's the worst one and I think about this, regretful. And I think the the most terrible thing is to get to the end of your life and say, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I'd have listened more. I wish I'd have done these things. And to be filled with regret. He's not any of those things. He's not regretful. He's not bitter. He's not saying, I didn't get anything that I wanted done. He is satisfied in life. Here's the key to that. It is not because of an event in life. He had all the events. 
It's not because it was all good. He had bad events. It's because of his trust relationship with God. And that was true of him, and that can be true of us as well. He knew God, and God had led him, and God had been gracious to him. And when he had messed it up, God was gracious and counted his faith as righteousness for him. And so his relationship trusting God, you know what he says, there was some hard stuff, there was good stuff, but I'm content, I'm satisfied in life. What an awesome way to end. You know what, that's only available for us by faith in Jesus Christ. Trust in him, contentment in him. All right, back moving in the story. Isaac has his wife, Rebecca. Now, listen to this, and, and you might want to read that again tonight. He has his wife, and they're, they're traveling, and there's a king called Abimelech, and they're passing through, sojourning, traveling in his land. And Isaac sees that his wife is beautiful, and he sees the power of the king, and he starts to think, and he says, you know what's getting ready to happen here? He's going to see my wife, and he's just going to take my wife, and he's going to kill me, and he's going to leave with her. And so when the king comes around, he says, if, if he thinks this is my wife, he's just going to kill me. So what does he say? He says, this is my sister. This isn't my wife. Take her if you want, because she's just my sister. Here's something crazy. Do you remember this is the exact same thing that Abraham did? And I just go, I don't know if these some women need to, to do something about these guys, but I'm tired of somebody saying I'm your sister and I'm leaving in the wagon and you're over there getting cattle and, and good things for the transaction. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. You know what that is? And I'll just tell you. It's again a lack of faith. It's again a lack of trust. You know what? God has blessed us and God has provided for us and he's given me this wife, and he's going to take care of us. Instead, he says, nope, they're going to kill me. And so he, he acts in a lack of faith. We're back here again. I wonder if his dad ever said, here, let me give you some advice. Don't tell anybody she's your sister. I wonder if his dad ever said, you know what, that's, that's not God. You can trust God. We're back in the same spot again. Now, let me make a point right here, and this is a point for us tonight. Here's a point. Faith has to be fed. Faith has to be fed. Sometimes we think, oh, I see they have great faith. Or I want faith the way they have faith. They just have a strong faith. Faith has to be fed. Let me tell you the truth about faith. Faith can grow and faith can stall out. Did you know that? Faith can stand or faith can fade. Faith can wane. It can, it can disappear. And these are in the same people. Abraham is a great man of faith. Hebrews says he's the father of faith. And yet he says, I don't know her. It looks like she's my sister. Faith has to be fed. It can grow or it can die, stall out. It can remain stagnant or it can flourish. Here's the thing. It, it's just the same pattern over and over again. Second time we see it tonight. How does your faith grow? And, and so here you are, and you're trying to walk with Christ, and you're trying to live in a world that's going a different direction. You're trying to live counter the world, and you need faith. You need faith to stand. How do you have faith? How do you grow your faith? It's the same thing. 
It's time spent in God's word. It's knowing who God is, knowing who your Savior is, learning to trust him, and then you're able to stand in that faith, to stand in that trust. I watch people, and they have some situation, and they go, you know what, I've got to trust God, and, they, and they, we're going to get in, and we're going to do these things. And the season passes, and you know what, they just forget all about it. They go back to what the things they were doing, the, the, the problem's gone, or somehow it got solved. And you watch somebody that, man, they were walking in great faith, and they just, they just slowly fade away. Faith has to be fed. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be around Christian people. We need to be reminding ourselves who our Savior is, who our God is, what he's done, and that he is faithful. All right, story continues. Jacob and Esau, twin sons are born. Uh, Moving very fast, there's a lot of stuff there. Moving very fast at the end of chapter 26, uh, it says Esau, the brother of Jacob, he's 40 years old at this time, He takes two wives. Uh, They're both from the pagan land. They're they're not uh, of the people that the rest of them are going to marry. And and so he takes two wives of a pagan people. And the end of that 26th chapter, it says, they cause grief to the parents. They cause grief um, to Isaac and to Rebekah. It was prophesied of Esau that he would be this type of person that he would be a wild donkey of a person. And, 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 and he's actually that person. And so he, he's bringing trouble into the family, trouble into the home. All right? In chapter 27, there's one of the more famous accounts. And, and I was thinking about this. A lot of these accounts you go, I remember that. I don't remember that. I know about that. I didn't know about that. And I think the, part, the, the problem is we've picked the top parts off and taught that lesson a hundred times and never looked at the other things. Well, one of the more famous accounts is the, the account of Esau and, and he tricks his dad, Isaac, uh, in, into uh, Jacob comes along, he tricks the dad, Isaac, into giving him the, the blessing and that's what's in our verses tonight. He'd already stolen the, the birthright, the inheritance, uh, the, the, the administration spot of, of really the next generation. And, and you read this account and, and the, the son um, tricks the dad and the mother's helping and the mother's saying, do these things. And they, they lie and they perpetrate this fraud and they, they pull this off. And, and, and it's, a, again, an account we know pretty well. But I thought about this. And this is really where the lesson uh, title came from, the days of our lives. This is a nutty account. And, and you think about it, in this account, the father has a favorite child. In fact, the mother has a favorite child too. That's crazy. One son is careless and unconcerned. One son is a deceiver, a liar, and he'll steal from the other son if he can. The mother encourages it. The mother says, if you'll do this, you'll trick your dad. The mother encourages the the theft, the division in the home. And and, and the crazy part of this is the idea that these are the people that God's working with. These are the people that God is working through. A family of crazy trouble. Now, right there I start to, to ask, 
What in the world is this? What in the world is this? Rebecca has great faith and leaves and goes to a strange land. Rebecca tells her son to lie to their dad. Same lady. Jacob, he, he's going to become Israel. He's going he's to have the 12 sons that become the tribes of Israel. He is a liar and a fraud. Same person. Go back to Abraham. Great faith exhibits little faith. These are the people God's going to work through. And I thought about this. What in the world's happening here? Here's what the truth is. God's not going to work through perfect people. Why? There aren't any. There's not any. They're all crazy. They're all messed up. They all fail. That's what we see in this. All right, moving on to chapter 28. Um, chapter 28, we find Esau, and he's consoling himself by saying that he'll kill Jacob. And so, there, you know, he's like, I'll wait till dad dies, and I'll wait. It's all right. But the only way he's making it through the day is by saying, I'm going to kill him. And as soon as I get my chance, I'm going to kill him. And that's how he, that's how he deals with things. It's okay. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take him out. Well, Isaac then sends Jacob to find a wife. So Esau is saying he's going to kill Jacob. Isaac says, it's time for you to go find a wife. Back to, the, to, your, to our people. And, and that is really double-sided in motivation. One of them is to escape the wrath of his brother. Let's get out of here. Your brother's going to kill you. He says he's going to kill you. So one of the ways we'll escape that, and you'll go ahead and get out of town. The other thing is you're going to need a wife as well. So we'll go back uh, to our people, and we'll find a wife there. Um, one last event, the end of chapter 28. Jacob leaves. He's going to find a wife. He's getting rid of his brother. He's escaping that problem. And on the way, he has a dream. And the Bible tells us he has a dream and God is speaking to him in the dream, through the dream, and God makes him a promise. This land that you're in, that you're sleeping in, it'll be your land and you're, it'll be your descendants' land and from you and through you, there's gonna be a blessing for all people that's gonna come through you. Jacob marks the place. He gets up, puts some rocks there and marks the place. He calls it Bethel. That's the end of chapter 28. And so here's all of that. And, and really that's crazy. Sarah dies, Abraham dies, get this wife, cheat that wife, cheat this, do this, claim that, uh, travel here, run away from your brother, all those things. And I start to think, I wonder what that was all about. And then here's the thing. What are we supposed to carry out of that? What should, you leave here tonight, what should you carry out of that? And I'll just, I'll just come back, and, and there may be somebody a lot smarter than me, and there, I'm sure there's a lot of folks, and there may be somebody with a great theological understanding better than me. I'm sure there's a lot of folks of that. But here's what I take out of that crazy long account. People are wild, inconsistent, sinful, and impossible to understand. And when I think I understand somebody, I don't understand somebody. And when I read that account, I go back and I say, you know what, all those thousands of years ago, people are wild and they're inconsistent and they're sinful and they're impossible to understand. And God is faithful and he keeps his word. What did he say? He's going to produce a savior. And he's patient. I, I go back and we're going to see it a whole lot of times. 
there's a lot of times that youth, we would think in our understanding, he ought to just say, enough of those people. You know what? Enough of, the old, enough of those guys. He is patient and he is kind and he is bringing about a Savior. That's what this is leading to. He's going to produce a Savior. So people are crazy. People are a mess. People are sinful. God is faithful. He keeps his word. He's patient. He's kind. And he's bringing about a Savior. Now, today, we read that account. And I, I was talking about this with somebody a couple of days ago. And they say, I think what we all would say. And they say, what messed up people? When you read that, isn't that what you think? What crazy, weird people? What messed up people? Now, don't say this out loud. <laughs> what about your life? And you say, what about your parents or your grandparents on them or your cousins on your mom's side? Or what about the trouble at your house or somebody married somebody and now they're causing trouble in your home? And what about this? And they cheated on them and ran over there and did this. What about the news? Look at the news today. Unimaginable. Hey, the, the greatest swimmer of the female race is now, a, a gender is now a male. You know what? It's still just as crazy. And people are wild, and people are inconsistent, and people are sinful, and they're impossible to understand. And yet, listen, tonight, the point of this lesson is this. And God has kept his word, and he is patient, and he's kind, and he's generous to us as sinners. And he hasn't produced the Messiah. He's not producing it. He has produced him in Jesus. We have our Savior in Jesus Christ. The goal of this all the way through is this, that we would understand who Christ is, that we would see our need for Christ, and that we would believe in Jesus Christ. Here's the point of this message. You know what you are? Same as me. Crazy, wild, inconsistent, impossible to understand, a sinner. You know what our hope is? Not of anything but our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the point to the lesson. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Looks like I'm going home with a can of corn. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for these that have come. I pray that we've been encouraged. I pray that you've led us. I pray that we, we leave here understanding we have hope in Christ and not in ourselves or any other person, that when we needed a Savior, you sent our Savior. I pray as we go back to our, our week that we would have peace in that truth, that we would have hope in that truth, and I pray that in every bit of it that you'd be known and that you'd be glorified. Again, I pray for our kids and our youth that are learning tonight as well. Bless them as they, as they are trained as well. And then we just come and I pray for each person in this room. Bless them, encourage them, use them and be known through them. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.